The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. More than just the name of David Bowie's fifth studio album and first breakthrough album, the title of the 1972 album summarizes the course of Bowie's life from 1971 to 1973. The fall of Ziggy Stardust is well known. Quote, Everybody, this has been one of the greatest tours of our lives. I would like to thank the band. I would like to thank our road crew. I would like to thank our lighting people. Of all of the shows on this tour, this particular show will remain with us the longest. Because not only is it... Not only is it the last show of the tour, but it's the last show that will ever do. Thank you. A quote from David Bowie on July 3rd, 1973 at the Hammersmith Odeon in London, England. The show marked Bowie's last performance as Ziggy Stardust. However, less people are familiar with the rise of the galactic rock god and his backing band of Martian arachnids. While working on his own solo career in 1971, Bowie was also writing songs for a couple of other acts. The first was a small band called Arnold Corns, a name inspired by Pink Floyd's song, Arnold Lane. The second was for 19-year-old designer Freddie Beretti. Bowie thought to combine the two projects, building a revised version of Arnold Corns with Beretti and future spiders from Mars, Mick Ronson, Mick Woodmansey, and Trevor Boulder. Beretti was billed as the group's frontman, but his musical contributions are absent from the band's few recordings. With or without Beretti, the group managed to record two singles, one of which didn't fully get released. The first single, however, featured two tracks that would eventually end up on Bowie's breakthrough album in 1972. The single flopped, with critics deriding the A-side for everything from Bowie's vocals to the lyrics and arrangement. When the Arnold Corns dissolved is uncertain, but the members who stuck around with Bowie turned the single that flopped into a hit and a staple of the Bowie songbook. Using the cut-up method of writing, wherein a piece of writing is literally cut up line by line or even word by word and rearranged, Bowie created far punchier verse. The musical arrangement was enhanced, with Ronson using strings and Bowie employing a baritone sax and piccolo to replace one of the guitar sections. Combine that with a legendary Mick Ronson guitar solo, improvised based off a rudimentary crayon drawing Bowie gave him for direction, and you have today's song. That's right, we're talking David Bowie's Moon Age Daydream on Bowie Me. I'm an alligator I'm a mama, papa coming for you I'm a space invader I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that compares famous Bowie songs to their many cover versions to find out which one will be a rock and roll bitch for you. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my alligator co-host, Alex Mildenberger. What's up, Alex Mildenberger? Um, the end of that sentence. Or, I mean, those words. There wasn't any sentence. Oh, because it, it rose up? Because I went up slowly. Yeah. You'll be a podcast host for me. Yeah. My co- co-host. 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 Co-host with the mo-host. Ho, 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 ho. It's a fun little joke we tell here. Alex, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. It's the new year, right? Yeah, buddy. I mean, it's January 2023 as far as I know. And that's ex- that's an exciting thing. We're in an odd year again. Fuck yeah! That's that's when I get real freaky. Is in the odd years, Alex. Yeah. Even years, I don't know what to do with myself. Odd years, full on. Years. Like what the kids say. Uh, to use the the Oxford is it the Oxford word of the year. Uh, I go goblin mode, Alex. Is that the Oxford word of the year? I believe it is. Oh, <laughs> it's I one of the dictionaries. I haven't words been of keeping up on the on the dictionary news lately. You gotta stay up on that. How are you going to learn more words, Alex? No, my dictionary app doesn't have crossword puzzles anymore. So. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Um, but hey, less it's, motivation. It's 2023. It's uh, Bowie me. We're back at it, Alex. I was just saying to my partner Greta how good it is to have Bowie me in the dead of winter. 
just because like it's it's a time I think I'm at my lowest, so to focus all my energy on music I really love is David Bowie. It's fucking great. Yeah, so plus if you already know the song really well, it's just easier to talk yeah, about it. To talk about it. Um and boy, do we know a lot about or at least I thought we did coming into this week. We were both surprised to find out that there was a version before the Ziggy Stardust version. Yeah, and yet, and yet, and yet, like I'm looking at the quotes and like references and stuff in this Wikipedia page, and it's and it, like, yeah, there's like Mark Spitz quote. And I'm like, I read that book. I read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I just, must have just fucking went past it. Yeah, uh, or I mean, I guess there's a lot of stuff in there, but it, I, it's interesting. And I mean, I know David Bowie was around for a while, like. Tiki Stardust, you said it, fifth album, right? Yeah. Um, which is a lot. That's you know? a lot, and I was Especially watching... For before any real success, and we talked about earlier stuff, we talked about the man who sold the world, but uh, yeah, it's just a different different beast. It's a different beast, and it's, it's, it's in some way it's crazy that we're just getting to this album now. Yeah, we haven't talked about it at all. Because if you play word association with anybody with David Bowie, a Ziggy Stardust is probably going to be the first thing to come yeah. out of their mouth. Like, or at least one of the first like, two or three. Like, it's early. It's a well-known persona. It's when people went crazy for David Bowie. And here we are, three or four years into Bowie it's me? It's third year. Of Bowie. It's our third year. Okay. Nice. We haven't, haven't done too much Bowie me yet. Third year of Bowie me, and we're just touching on Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Um... A, a, a testament to our weird desire to always do deep cuts. We're like, people are going to love loving the alien. We should do yeah, that before loving the <laughs> anything off the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. Pablo Picasso. Picasso, yeah. That, that a hit song by a band nobody's ever fucking heard yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, that's that's us. We made this show and we're the worst people in some way to do it. <laughs> so like, I mean, deep we, cuts, We've though. seen the numbers. We know what episodes get more, get more uh, listens. <laughs> yeah. And it's not these ones. <laughs> it's not these ones, that's for sure. Uh, but we're doing yeah. it anyway. Um, <laughs> love this album. Didn't realize how much I loved this song until this week. Yeah, I've definitely... It's... I, as Like, there are hits on this album, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the ones that kind of feels like it's part of the album. Yes. And um, you talked about how the original version wasn't very well received. And I wonder if that's kind of plays into it. Like, it feels in place on Ziggy Stardust. It does, yeah. But maybe as a single, or at least without the context of Ziggy Stardust around it, it's kind of maybe less interesting. Yeah, and just like, because there's a lot that's the same, but there's also... It's just in in the in some way it is like the demo version versus the final release because you have oh, yeah. predominantly the same crew. It's there's just been slight punch ups made and they're but they make a huge difference. Um, so I am excited to talk about the differences between the Arnold Corns and the the course of the David Bowie and the Spiders from Mars version because they're they're so similar but just these small tweaks and you get something that because there was a a critic who called it like a tired attempt at or like a strained attempt at american rock and roll and like i guess i can kind of see that you really do hear the strain in bowie's voice thing to say there's definitely straining yeah but it's Mm -hmm. also like that phrase doesn't totally gel for me because like what is american american about that like it 
What would I've heard even... it said it's in the uh, in the slang he uses here. Some people say that oh. certain words and phrases he uses are he American. Says bitch. Like, he mm, does say bitch. And that's, said that's bitch. American. That's right. But <laughs> but yeah, so they kind of have like a few and you know, whatever it may be, but there is a huge like polish leap between versions. Oh, definitely. Um yeah, one last thing to say about it being his fifth album. I just watched last night because I have on DVD that that Hammersmith Odeon concert. And okay. it's so wild because the people are like losing their fucking minds. And like you said, this is where he breaks through. So it's so crazy to see him able to perform because he doesn't just do uh the Spiders from Mars stuff or even just like that in Aladdin Sane, which was out at the time. He does his older songs and people are still losing their mind over it. So I can only imagine how <laughs> like rewarding that is to be like, here was some stuff that didn't get noticed. Like some critics reviewed it and then it was lost to time. And now people are screaming for it. Yeah. Kind of vindication that you actually produce something that connects to people, especially because, and I mean, this I think will come up again in a, bit but there's some level of like selling out as ziggy stardust Mm -hmm. like that's kind of part of the character and part of what i think he maybe felt he was doing yeah um by acting as that character and and creating that particular album so then for that to happen and then the previous stuff that you maybe don't consider to be that um to become appreciated afterwards that's got to feel pretty good (laughs) It's got to feel good. Yeah, it's crazy. It's um, David Bowie. We could talk about it all today. Yeah. Uh, lyrically, Alex, should we jump into the Arnold Corns version and then David Bowie, or should we just start with the, the rise and fall? I feel like, for me, the bass version is still the, like, Ziggy Stardust version. Okay, let's do that then. the differences. And then we can contrast when we, when we talk about the Arnold Corns. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, come on. Great intro, intro here. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. Let's start there. Yeah. I mean, you already mentioned the cutting up, the lyric yeah. cutting up. And this is, I, I did see a clip from something. I don't remember what it's from, but I know I've seen it before because I remember mm-hmm. watching it in something else. Um, and he's talking about like, oh, I, I don't actually use this technique very often, but occasionally if I do, uh, you know, it shows can reveal patterns he actually says something like it it reveals thoughts that i've had to myself which is uh i mean kind of nonsense but also like you know can give you ideas right yeah Um, but it's i i believe he did it for this song um it doesn't actually say it in that interview but it shows lyrics from this song being cut up Right. I feel like I've seen, because I feel like I've seen footage of him cutting up lyrics. Yeah. I do not I remember, remember what it was from. all was the context or where or I saw like it, that. maybe. But yeah, he talks about, and I've heard other artists kind of talk about that. It's like, just think about it like rearranging or like staring at one of those pictures where you kind of have to lose focus to see the image. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it's not so much that he doesn't know his ideas, but they become more apparent when moved around, right? Yeah, because it's it's re. I mean, it is rearranging the words, but also maybe the thoughts in in a way. Yeah, I think a slightly different way to say something, or especially if you've written something that like, you know, is song lyrics and there's rhymes and some kind of rhyme scheme. You change that mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it was like a a b a c or something like that. And right. Like, oh, now we go like CA. So like it just changes the order of things, but if it's all part of the same thought, it doesn't necessarily matter. So 
and it then feels a little different and maybe unconventional. Yeah, it, it kind of switches up how, because if you write it straightforward and then take the lines out of context, suddenly it's, it's not like somebody talking to you. It's like verse. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite different. But what, is, what does all this mean? I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa. Mama papa. So the way, the, the basic explanation I've kind of heard for this song, and it's tough to penetrate, I think, mm-hmm. um, is that it, it's an introduction to the idea or like the character Ziggy Stardust, or it's his introduction to like the world. Yes. And uh, at this point, he's kind of like, this is him being like, hey, this is me. Mm hmm. And I think that is acceptable. I think that is fine. But it's interesting to note, and I unfortunately haven't found anything besides uh, where uh, Wikipedia talks about it. But it says that this is a loose concept album in rock opera, and that the, the concept and sort of the story was basically retrofitted after the recordings. Right. So, yes, like, this works for that, and contextually it makes sense. He is this bizarre, unknowable being. He's part fucking lizard. He's, he's two genders. <laughs> he's mama and papa. He's literally a space invader. And he's our savior. For us, he will take on the role of being a rock star, a rock and roll and bitch, which is not how we typically think of rock stars, right? Mm-hmm. We think of it as this great role. He thinks of it as a great labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there is that interpretation. I wonder if we just, we take off that thin veneer. It's just David Bowie under there, right? It's not Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Ultimately it's gotta be right. Um, and that's really true of like all of Ziggy Stardust, the idea of Ziggy Stardust as like, or comparing it to like concept albums that are just a story or like maybe like a, something you'd call a rock opera where it's like very descriptive songs that yeah like tommy by the who right like Like, tommy in places um or like yeah that kind of stuff i guess jesus christ superstar where they're like literally having dialogue singing it right Mm -hmm. like that's not really happening here and it's something that i think is crafted more out of like a feeling than anything yeah it's like trying to show particularly the first couple songs of like this is the feeling that may I have, and maybe I think other people have, um, based on like the world around me. So it's like, and then you sort of stick on this character that creates a bit of a story around it because really he's writing from his own perspective, mm-hmm. um, but now presenting it as as a character, and then it kind of creates a story because you need to connect to these dots, but really they're just dots. Yeah, so it's like, he is in this, and you think about him, because he's taking the role of an alien. Even before the Ziggy Stardust, he was kind of treated as a bit of an oddball, a bit of a weirdo. He was a bit of a like, to be he, fair. He, he, he is, <laughs> he is and was, like, you know, he's dead now, which isn't yeah. weird, that's pretty normal, but... <laughs> he's a bit of a weirdo, but... Yeah, like, he, and he constantly pushed himself in that light as well. Yeah. He was he was taking that role. Yeah, and he and, was trying to, trying to subvert... Um, norms and, mm-hmm. and people's ideas you know like he was cross-dressing in a time where that was even probably less acceptable in my understanding yeah and yeah you look at this fucking that was another thing i saw watching the show he does like five costume changes that are off stage there's somewhere it's like a two-piece costume where first it's a robe and then it gets stripped off and he's got right. this weird jumpsuit underneath but like 
I can't imagine being at that show and every three songs we got to take ten for fucking Bowie to change <laughs> costumes. <laughs> it's unreal to me, but uh, like that's what it is. But yeah, I think there is in the in the line, "I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you." Right. He seems to suggest that he will like David Bowie himself is like, I will do the mainstream approach in order to get my message, David Bowie's message and David Bowie's music out to you. Right. While so at the same time, yeah, it's this idea of of selling out that came up a little bit ago and it's like okay mm-hmm. now he's gonna be the rock star and that's what he talked about being like this perfect rock star yes. at times you know i've heard i, I don't have a quote uh, about that or anything but be you know becoming the the ideal rock star and that's kind of what ziggy stardust was but that's kind of what he wanted to become you know to have this music career yeah uh, and then he became that and then uh, decided to of course retire it in 1973 not even that long after yeah. like he did like one kind album. of but even mm-hmm. like I, I saw an interview with him in i think the early 2000s where mm-hmm. they said something he said i mean he would talk about being like oh like he's he's a rock star like that's what like that's his career you that's know? his career yeah um or what do you say i think he said rock god at one point but you know that, that yeah he is you know that's how we talked about him back then but yeah, so I think it serves both as a an introduction of Ziggy Stardust in the concept of the album and an introduction of like David Bowie taking up the Ziggy Stardust mantle and giving us this character. Yeah. This is what Ziggy Stardust represents to mm-hmm. him and yes. to his career. It's 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 yeah, it's work. He's gonna be a rock and rolling bitch. He's fucking yeah. he's putting in the, like, right, the hours. Work hard to do this thing, yeah. Such a wild way to think about being Ziggy Stardust, who I think so many people want to be, and he's like, Well, I'll do it for I'll you. I'll do it, I guess. Someone's gotta do it. Somebody's gotta um, do it, it might as well be me. Yeah. So is that I'm an alligator line? Do you interpret that as like the he's part lizard thing, like he's an alien? Yeah, it's I don't really know like, what it means to be an alligator from like a metaphorical standpoint. I think it's almost like reptilian and ancient, other. right? Alligators yeah. live a long time. I guess and so. And I think in terms of like comparing that to mammals, it's another form of otherworldliness that is here like on our planet. Like, right. It's like, what the fuck is that thing? Um, and then Mama Papa, I, I, I like that line. I do think it seems to be like, oh, he could have said motherfucker. And that could mm. mean a couple things. Um, could mean he's like mean, right? Yes. Um, because that's one use of of the word motherfucker. But another use that I only knew because of um, the Mothers of Invention is like it means person who's good at me- like playing instruments, mm-hmm. like like being a musician. Um, maybe generally good at things, but it's used like in music to be like ah that. This guy's a real motherfucker. I don't know if they would say it that way. Um, right. But, and it's also, so it's like some self-censorship, but also saying Mama Papa, like, plays into the androgynous um, view of, of Bowie that he was, you know, playing up. Yeah. So it it, it's, got, it's got a few things going on. It's got a few things going on there. And, uh, yeah, also, I guess Mama Papa, he's some, some bizarre authority figure. And the Mamas and the Papas were another band. The Mamas band. and the Papas were a band. Like he's he's and he's a space invader. So if you want to talk about that motherfucker kind of violence thing, like he is invading. Yeah, he is a force of some nature, whether it's reptilian, uh, you know, maternal, paternal, or from space. Like he's all those. He's something else, man. But yeah. we got to move on from these first like, four lines. Uh, keep your mouth shut. 
you're squawking like a pink monkey bird, and I'm yeah, busting that's a line my brains I never, for the words. I never understood that. I thought he said smoking something, but I didn't know what. I think I always knew pink monkey bird. I didn't know it was squawk. I think squawk. I did know. It's squawking like a pink monkey bird. I mean, this is, according to Wikipedia, a pink monkey bird is gay slang for a recipient of anal sex. Yeah. Which I had I don't, never heard before. But I've I also never heard that before. Is. And that's on Wikipedia? That's on Wikipedia. I couldn't find yeah. it anywhere else. It's not on Genius. Okay. Genius just says... The person's talking and making a squawking sound, so he's like, he's telling him to shut know, up. He's dismissing whatever they're saying because it's not important because it's just squawking. Uh, yeah, it's and he's, he's telling him to shut up because he's he's busting up his brains for the word, which for me seems to suggest he's he's going to such great efforts here again. He's a rock and rolling bitch. He is doing great harm and taking like a great undertaking to get the words out. And so, if you could please shut the fuck up, so he can get these out. Yeah. It's like, I, I, yeah, I'm putting the effort in. You got to listen kind of thing. Yeah. And, and and from an alien's perspective, what is a human but a pink monkey bird? <laughs> yeah, right? Right? We like can it's, fly and we're monkeys without hair. We're monkeys and we, we're pink in tone if we're white. Fair enough. That's a fair that's a fair statement. And and for me like this song has just like a kind of funky talk vibe to it. So I, part of your squawking like a pink monkey bird is like just to sound, I think, like slang talk of the 70s without yeah, there's being a couple slang talk. times in the song where it just sounds like he's just doing slang to do mm-hmm. slang. Which I think is, I mean, that sort of thing is parodied about David Billy. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so he says, keep your mouth shut. He's like, you gotta stop because I'm, I'm trying my best here to, to do rock and roll for you. <laughs> Let me do my rock and roll. Let me do my rock and roll and then here's how you can can be a part of the process. We come to the chorus. Mm-hmm. Keep your electric eye on me, babe. Put your ray gun to my head. Press your space face close Spaces. to mine, love. Freak out in a moon age daydream. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, the electric eye seems to be like a camera because that's what electric eye is, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But also, I don't know. It just sounds like a robot, and there's just there's a lot of like, um you know sci-fi tropes at, at play here aliens and robots and, and things um is it actually a robot i don't know maybe not could just be some security camera but makes me think of robots especially if it's a person right yeah it's like yeah keep your like it's vaguely me. sci-fi-ish which i think yes. a lot of ziggy stardust has there is vague sci-fi going on here apparently he also pulls some of this from I put in Iggy. That's not going to help for finding this quote. <laughs> uh, but apparently he borrows. Um, they're kind of like homages to two artists. So there's Iggy Pop, who has a line, she got a TV eye on me. And okay. then there is the legendary Stardust Cowboy. Of course. Who he, of course, covers later with, who has the line, I shot my space gun. I shot into, my space gun. Put your ray gun to my head. Yeah. So for me, I think what's going on, he's like, one, yeah, pay attention to me and make sure as many people get their eyes on me as possible. Put your mm-hmm. electric eye on me. Get the word out. Put your ray gun to my head? It's obviously a penis, right? We gotta... No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think um, that's Obviously it. dicks. Um, well, I mean, the phrase talking about having a gun to your head, you know. Yeah. Means it's interesting because... Kind of to do something. It's then followed by press your space face close to mine, which sounds 
and he calls them love. It's it's an intimate act, I think, to press space faces together, even regular faces. Yeah, and if he's got a gun to his head and they're putting their head close to his head, like that's dangerous, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. both in it together, kind of thing. Both in it. There is yeah some some call to like maximum vulnerability, and that he's he's one asking for an intimate act of of face pressing space face pressing space face pressing pardon me and then the act of also like the the threat of annihilation by a ray gun yeah which i mean uh, ziggy stardust being somewhat of a a messianic figure Mm -hmm. um, perhaps yeah like um, this like weird mutually assured destruction thing maybe binding people together because he kind of gets a little culty yeah, maybe he does. Then he says freak out in a moon age daydream. Oh yeah. What is oh, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, what is the moon age daydream? And what is freaking out in this context? Well, I mean, freak out is often used from like a psychedelic perspective. Mm-hmm. Drug use. Yeah. Um, but what is the moon age daydream? I, I guess mean, moon age makes me think like and like some of the lines call to here the future yeah space age really yeah yeah and this is not well anyway I, yeah it was like not that long after the you know the moon landings and yeah, moon like landing there were more what, moon landings going on yeah more missions and stuff so like suddenly a lot of like old sci-fi seemed a lot more reasonable yeah they actually had spacecraft that were bringing people places so and that's Part of the story is him coming over from from Mars, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, what is the conclusion to that thought? I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, yeah, I mean, if we're going to contextualize it in the in the with in the concept of the album, I think like the Moon Age Daydream is maybe his ideology. What he his his because you know he, he forms a cult, basically a rock and roll cult. Right. The Moon Age Daydream is that that preaching to that ideal it's like freak out with me so let go of your bonds of the old world there is some idea of revolution here where it's like we're we're letting go the world's going to die in five years oh let's let's release these old bonds and let's be freaks let's freak out and be who we're meant to be you know ultimately vulnerable with the threat of annihilation at any point let's let's live our lives to the fullest that's true i i guess the idea like especially with early Bowie of like being a freak is kind of like being yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Acting as you would want to without sort of um, social norms to hold you back. Yeah, there is. We talked about all the young dudes last year, mm-hmm. which is all, like which kind of talks about the failure of the revolution and the like the uh, the like nihilism of the seventies. And this almost stands counter to that, where he is a messiah who is preaching like, no, rock and roll is real. It can save us. And you just need to freak out in the, and, and join me in this space-aged freaky daydream right, to embrace that reality. In. You got to buy in. So that's, I think that's what it is maybe on both, again, like the, the yeah, line between Ziggy and Bowie levels, is right? so thin that it, it works almost parallel on both sides of the, the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to the verse two, which is the altered version of the opening lines in the Arnold Corns version. So here it is. Don't fake it, baby. Lay the real thing on me. The church of man love is such a holy place to be. Uh, in the original, that line is actually like very different. The church of man loves the same, but the opening bit is come on strong girl, lay the heavy trick on me. And I think that is very interesting that it 
changes from being a trick to being real. Yeah, that's a uh, that I mean the lines do seem to mean quite different things, but yeah, certainly in the original I do. I mean, both have a bit um like have some sexual connotations. Uh, yeah, I think them, right? quite obviously sexual. Cuz if you say fake it, it sounds like like generally sounds like faking an orgasm, right? Mm-hmm. But I believe in this case is just trying to be kind of sexual, um, but really talking about again like the idea of freaking out, um, and and being yourself, mm-hmm. like be honest with me, kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, it, again before even an orgasm, there is intimacy and interest. He's saying, yeah. "Do not fake that. Give me the real you and the real experience here." Mm-hmm. Uh, like again, uh, let's press our space faces and let's put that ray gun to our heads because let's make something real happen yeah and then we get to this weird part the church of man comma love it seems to be in the ingenious's uh version of the lyrics yeah i do like having both of those interpret both of those though because i mean the way he says it Mm -hmm. he says the church of man love right like one Mm -hmm. word basically the church Um, of man love but there's a, I mean, got a few, got a few angles on this too, right? Because ta- first of all, the Church of Man, I believe, would suggest to me an opposition to the Church of God, right? Yes. So it's it's worship of of uh, the secular instead mm-hmm. of the divine, um, and questioning the perhaps existence, but certainly legitimacy of of a god. Yeah. Um, and then just like love as like that's how you're referring to the person but then such a holy place which is a little bit of a um, I guess an oxymoron because it's kind of like how could it be holy if it's not divine or whatever yeah it's it's the the being the church of man which is profane in the eyes of religion is Mm -hmm. actually such a holy place to be yeah it connects to ideas of Nietzsche like uh, worship the earth and God is dead like we only have this so let's celebrate it and use it and it is brought up later in Bowie's career actually in Loving the Alien, where the whole thesis of that is like, you'll believe you're loving the alien, worshipping your religion, but we're actually supposed to love each other, is the oh, alien yeah. to love. So, yeah, it seems to be that idea Bring of Bringing in a like, cut from, from a year ago. Yeah, buddy, I'm, I'm on it oh, today. It's Bowie me. I'm not themes. pulling punches. Yeah, um, yeah and in that, in that line, holy place to be. Um, and then, of course, the other... Uh, way of looking at it uh, like man love which yes. sounds again because particularly at the time David Bowie was viewed as like a bit of a deviant and in particularly in particular bisexual I, I don't know exactly what the public yeah it, seen him like, as kind of like whipped back and forth he was uh, outed as being gay or he yeah. came out as gay and then it like kind of switched and moved to bisexual it, it's a whole yeah. thing but it was and maybe the same reason he says this line the way he does it's meant to be provocative right yeah it sounds like he's courting controversy and it's like mm-hmm. in context of the song it doesn't necessarily make sense specifically yeah. but it's also like oh he just said man love and ooh that's a little dangerous Exactly. It's from society. Yeah. It's, ooh, this alien man's telling us that homosexuality is actually quite good. Yeah. Or at least exists, which we're not supposed to acknowledge. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it's whether you take it as like a a worship. It's it basically it's against religion either way you, you yeah, cut it. Yeah. Absolutely. 
and it's provocative for those reasons. And he's encouraging that behavior and also encouraging possibly sex or bizarre intimacy with the don't fake it baby lay the real thing on me. He's encouraging, uh, sort of the love revolution of the sixties, but brought into this seventies light. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, sleaze often gets used to describe this era of mm-hmm. glam rock. And yeah, I think it, it fits in here because it's really reveling in in this, um, I guess. Um, this dirty, like, I'm just trying to think revolution. of a like a like a neutral way to say this. I know it, like, it's like deviant a, sexual acts, but it's deviant, like it's just like things that would have been frowned upon by society. And that, yeah, even like different or, and, or, or or yeah, dirty, dirty. You taking a song it's like even rock and roll suicide, like the image it paints of you is you know taking a cigarette and like it's all very like like grime encrusted. It's very yeah. like dark, and he, and he says to you, "You're not alone," and like you are. So it is like a call out to the freaks and to the to the downtrodden to say just like embrace it mm-hmm. and and be these little freaky weirdos and get love the way you get it because that's the sixties yeah, are gone, love. baby. It's about love. And what could be more holy than that? What could be? Make me baby. Make me know you really care. Make me jump into the air. Make me jump into the air. Yeah. I mean that's part of the the honesty. I think make me know you really care. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, as for the jumping to the air, I mean, you jump into the air when you're excited about things. Yeah, right? and with this song with Moon Age Daydream, it, it conjures an image of not just like a jump in the air, but soaring, like in Cause space. Because of, of space, yeah. Because of space. Because you have a space face. <laughs> you got a space face, brother. Yeah. But yeah, it is just like kind of a a love line. Make me know you really care. Make me jump into the air. Make me feel that elation and make it real. Because this is a holy place to be. So yeah, it's, he's calling for love here, as basic as that sounds at first. Too. Yeah, so it's just, it's it's like the, a lot of the same stuff hippies were saying, but it's uh, it's repackaged. Repackaged and made, I guess, to be futurist. Whereas the hippies had a lot of like, like of the earth and almost pastoral values baked mm. in there. But this he's, is rocket like, ships and yeah he's like the love guns. revolution can be electric guitars electric eyes ray guns and space it can be freaky yeah it can be freaky so that's that we get more choruses is that really it for lyrics? uh for the most i mean he, he has a few lines where he says like freak, freak out, out in out far, far out in out ooh. in out yeah no those are great and i think play to the sort of psychedelic and trippy nature of this song Yes, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, builds the atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very important. Uh, we'll jump to the Arnold Corns version here briefly. Then. Yeah, we've we'll already talk talked about, it a about bit. that. But we'll talk about the second verse, which is keep your mouth shut, but listen to the word inside. Keep your head on, but open up your eyes real wide. Keep the chain strong. Let the things you've torn aside. There isn't any room to hide. Which again seems to be uh, a preaching for vulnerability and something like yeah, like, and and still true. kind of that same idea of like forward being forward thinking and looking to the future, mm-hmm. right? Keep the chain strong, like yeah. There, you don't need to hide things and and accept change. Yeah, kind and of, let things let things go. He's like, if if the thing doesn't serve, it's part of the past. Move ahead. There is no room to hide in the future. The future is a naked place where all there's yeah. no hiding. And be accepting of experiences. Yeah. So you really, from the Arnold Corns version to the 
to the Ziggy Stardust version, get a real refining of even like because he says things like "Come on, your mother's far out." We even get right. the like ad libery refined. Yes, because there's a, cool. a little bit of that. I I really love to hear this kind of uh, progression of of a song because I mean a lot of the times when we're mythologizing songs the way we talk about them either they literally do or it sounds like they do just come into being and like there's a guy sitting on a couch somewhere with a notepad Mm -hmm. writes down uh, a song and now there's a song versus this where clearly the song was written and rewritten and i probably more than just twice right yeah it's not like yeah it was like one take and he's like okay done now this other idea so you know it's nice to challenge that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we often hear about songs that are recorded in one take. This song, the Ziggy Stardust version, two takes. So oh, hey, at least don't two always get it right the first time. Right, and two takes. And that's because we don't talk about other songs that took like twenty six takes. <laughs> yeah, nobody usually brags about that. <laughs> yeah, we got it in a day, more or less. Uh, yeah, only took fifty takes this time. You're like, damn, yeah. buddy. <laughs> it's like actually at the end of um, Get Back, the like Beatles. Uh, oh, the documentary, documentary thing. Yeah. Um, they because they like do their rooftop concert, and that's in it. And then they go, and then they're like, hey, let's pop back in the studio for a bit. Because it's on the roof of the studio. And like right. we'll just record this other song Paul's been working on. And it's the long and winding road. Oh, but it yeah. like took like so long. And they're like, I can't believe we did this. We were just going to pop in. and are <laughs> just like, going to pop in, lay it, it, it down like, and leave. It took like 20 takes. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I can't believe we're still here. And he's, Paul's just like on the piano. And he's like, oh. <laughs> That's so good. Sometimes it takes that. a while. Fantastic. Um, now let's talk about let's talk. I think for instrumentation, we have to do Arnold Corns and then jump into the Ziggy version. Yeah, it kind of um, kind of expands from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Arnold Corns. It sounds like a demo. It has the recording quality of it a does. demo. It does. Um, it's also three semitones up. Right. Um, so Which is like, why you hear that strain, particularly in Bowie's voice. Yeah. And he's really, like, he's squawking. Yeah, he is squawking like a pink monkey bird. Um, so that's that's an interesting thing, I think. Yeah. We open with a drum intro that's I actually quite like. It's it's pretty cool sounding. Yeah, there's a few things, um, and I kind of did my notes on this relative to the original, but... Of course, yeah. Um, like, there is a drum intro, but that kind of happens in in Moon Age Daydream proper as well. Like, there's yes. a lot of things that are similar, like, obviously, the lyrics, right? Um, right. They don't talk about alligators. That first verse is more Come or on, less. Like, girl. clearly, the basis for the second verse. Um Hang on, I scrolled by accident. Um, and then, like, that intro. Yeah, the, there's a drum fill. It's not the same as the ori- as, as uh, Ziggy Stardust version, but, like, yeah. the Ziggy Stardust version also has, like, some drums there. So it's, like, it feels like an evolution of that. It does, yeah. 
So it's cool to see that like sound pretty good on the original and then just get like worked in a little better, okay, a little massaged. Yeah, yeah. Now it works. And like the guitar solo, which is not, I mean, I say guitar solo. There's a guitar solo in the Ziggy Stardust version, but what I'm talking about is the that's there. Yeah, that's sort of, it, I think it functions as a middle eight predominantly, doesn't it? It goes from chorus to chorus again. Um, yeah. At least once yeah. in the, yeah. Yeah, it does. It's eight bars long. And yeah, it's so yeah, that's like a solo. It's not the solo. So yeah, but on the on it's the Arnold Corns one, it is guitar. And yes. then on they don't the, have the production values yet. No, it's very cool when you get to the David Bowie version. I think I incorrectly called it a piccolo, unless a penny whistle is oh, the same thing. I heard piccolo as well. Okay, I have a credit here for uh, David Bowie on lead vocals, acoustic guitar, saxophone, penny whistle. Oh. Huh. Uh, as far as I know, those are not the same thing, but okay. I did see it called a piccolo as well. I think um, he may be referencing the song he drew inspiration from, which is oh. uh, by the Hollywood Argyles, and it's called Show No A Thing About show, Love. Show No A Thing About Love. Show No About Love, something oh, like that. Oh, I see. He plays a saxophone and a penny whistle, show which is inspired a lot about love. by the saxon piccolo. The baritone saxon piccolo. Yeah, so it is, I mean, it's not a sound you hear very often. No. Um, but that's on the other version. So that's we'll on the other that. version. We'll get to that. Yeah, on this one, that is guitar. Yeah. Um, I do like the... And it happens twice. Yeah, it happens twice. I think twice. it only happens seven twice. In the, uh, no, I can't I, remember. I, mm. I think it might be twice on both. Okay. But I guess there's, yeah, the solo. Anyway. On this version, I do like the the introduction of vocals with the piano on this. It's, it's, it's a pretty good start. Or he comes in with the come on strong girl and just these big piano chords. Like it's got a good vibe to it. It's just his voice is of course a little too high to make the rest of the journey after this point. Cause he gets some real strain. Yeah. It's, it's seems, I guess he was kind of known as a kid with a high voice. So maybe he was sort of trying to push it. Yeah. Um, but dropping it down, I think was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Feeling comfortable about this, especially like in context of, Ziggy Stardust and being like capable and, and confident. Yeah, you need to be able to land your marks. Yeah, you can't be straining. So no. Um, we come into the chorus. Like the verses are pretty sparse. We come into the chorus, and there is this descending pattern. I think just done on a bass guitar here. Dune, 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 dune. Right. Dune. It's definitely. Yeah, I think o- overall it's it's much simpler. Much simpler. Um, kind of looser in terms of just like. Like, like like the actual tightness of the arrangement. Like it feels a little garage rocky. It feels a little demo-y. Yeah. It def- yeah, I mean, in several ways. Mm-hmm. The, rec- the sound quality in particular. Yeah. Um, and then the original has like quite a nice build um, in terms of the arrangement. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not really present in this version. It's a lot more. No. Even. Yeah, it is. Which is one of the reasons it feels like a demo, because it feels like they're like, these are our ideas. We made kind of a song out of it, but it definitely has room for development. Yeah. Especially, you talk about that evenness, and there's the sections where he tries to kind of hype up with ad-libs, the right on, come on, you mothers, far out, things like that. Right. And without that extra juice that like the, the Ziggy version has, it just doesn't land as well. No, and it, it kind of feels more like crowd work right yeah 
Like, I mean, we know it's in the studio because of history and also because the beginning of the recording, they're like, talk about how they're recording. Yeah, like, whenever you're ready. Yeah. But, like, it does sound like he's trying to do that and, like, I'll throw, like, throw my crowd interactions in the recorded version. It doesn't work as well. And then when they adapt that into, like, just, like, spacey ambient stuff and, like, okay, now it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> as a recording. As a recording. And but I keep talking more about that. <laughs> well, I think we've kind of laid out the key yeah. points of that, that it had that descending pattern. It had the, the kind of intricate drums and it had, it was up three semitones and that's a reason for the strain. Yeah. You take these elements, you add on what people call heavy metal riff, but it's just kind of like hard rock. In 71, mm-hmm. it probably seemed yeah, more it's basically. heavy metal-ish. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, are we switching over now? We we're switching over. What the an entrance! Intro. Yes. Oh man, just the the guitar. What? Yeah. And then shouting, "I'm an alligator!" Like I'm an alligator. What an introduction! Just to like, I mean, it's not the first song in the album or anything, but like, it's the first one to like really rip. Yes, you know? and it, and it's supposed to be the introduction of Ziggy. The first two songs on the track are "We're Gonna Die" and "Oh My yeah. God, How do How do we find love in an apocalypse?" And then it's like, yeah. boom! It's like here's Ziggy and like, I'm an alligator with that electric guitar, and it's like, okay, now now we're cooking. Yes, and that like that riff is present. That bum ba ba is present in the rhythm on the original track, but it does not have that presence. It does not have that no. tone. They put it yeah. front and center on this, and it fucking just catches your ear. Yeah, I mean, it, it pulls you into the song, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's an announcement. It's just, like, boom, here is Moon Age Daydream. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Um, there's also drums playing like, yes. around then, but it's hard to know. Uh, basically, what I might call the intro, but it's really the start of the verse. You know, like, it's that, it's that back and forth, because the guitar plays, then he says the lines, then the yeah. guitar plays a bit more, and he says yeah. the lines. So they go back and forth a bit, and then they get into the verse proper. That's right, and that's where that acoustic guitar comes in for the rhythm. Such a mm-hmm. like harsh intro because the drums are playing the same beats as that guitar riff. That yeah. and then it switches up to this acoustic guitar as he comes a little smoother on us. So it's this big announcement, and then it's smooth. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like it starts so big, but then it drops down in that way, and like the electric guitar doesn't come back till it's not. It's like the next verse. Yeah. It's um, the, maybe a little bit. It comes in a little bit in the chorus, I think. But like, yeah, I think there's some light stings. So what you get in the the verse proper is acoustic guitar and just like a nice bass groove. Yeah, the, I, the bass sounded very odd to me. It's yeah, just like very rounded. It is. Um, it's quite round in its tone. Yeah. But I mean, not not bad. Just un- unusual. Maybe it's just different time. You know. Man, those are different times. Those are different times. <laughs> um, yeah, and the chorus. Yes. Um, it, it, the chorus is nice because compared to the, uh, the Arnold Korns version, because the Arnold yeah. Korns version is really, I mean, we talked about how high it was. And this, the chorus is still kind of a whale, but now he can like do more with it. Like, yes, I feel like like he's not focusing so much on on getting high notes, so he can like actually sit in the chorus a little bit and like get that wail and like emote. Yes, and I think it's contrasted more in the verse as well, which at least instrumentally is much more I guess soothing, the whole performance, yeah, a little more chill, yeah. So you get that contrast, and yeah, you get a more manageable range where the wail sounds good, rather than like he is straining past his ability. Yeah, it almost sounds a bit like like the way he's delivering it. 
like because he's now talking i mean he's talking to you before but this is like mm-hmm. what you need to do right he's talking like for, first verse is like this is who i am yes and now he's like this is what you need to do because he needs them right yes it's a bit, it's a bit of a like I don't want to say begging exactly, but like he seems a a bit desperate, right? Because if they don't watch him, right? If they don't engage, then he can't do anything. He can't do anything. He's like, listen, I will do this for you, but here's what you have to do. And this is the message he's putting out. Keep your electric eye on me. Um, Joined by, so that downward pattern that was originally on the bass is now done vocally, I think. Um, which party? That's that. Do, 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 yes. Do, 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 yeah, there's like backup vocals there. Ooh, Ooh. just yeah. Okay, I see. I see. And that is that is so good. And I mean, that's part. Yeah, that's part of just like the production values shining through. Now there's like yes. ooh, another vocal track, <laughs> two at once. Wow. Yeah. So you get that going on. You get piano to fill in a bit. Um. Yeah, just like kind of piano chords. Mm-hmm. And and stuff. Like the piano, it's kind of like I don't want to call it filler, but I'm gonna call it filler. Um not in a bad way, but it it's not it like playing a riff. It's like space. oh I'm playing I'm playing the harmony and then like some bits in between mm-hmm. chords kind of thing. So it's not just holding chords. Yeah. Um, and then and mm-hmm. then yeah, the transition into the next section. Like the transition yeah, well, out. We get Freak the out in a Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. The drums. The hard guitar returning in those drums. Yeah. Yeah. I really Bam. like those drums. <laughs> yeah, it's a great roll on those drums. Um, yeah. Drum transition. Good stuff. And electric guitar. Oh, yeah. And then we're back into that same thing from the first verse. We start with the hard guitars. Yes, but now baby, we've got the electric Right. Yeah. But now the and electric guitar stays around. Yeah, to do these like things. This it's kind of bam. mutes and then yeah. Yeah. So it's your typical like pop build. Shows. We get a little extra on the second verse. Yeah. Um. Um. Then we get the second chorus, which is pretty similar to the first, but with more electric guitar this time. <clears throat> the electric guitar is present. He's here for it. Yeah, that's pretty much how it how it does this part of the build yeah and then we come into that uh middle middle eight eight. yeah i think there's only one i think it only happens once i think it is only once on this in in david in arnold corns that's right but on this one you have the legendary ronson guitar solo to be that other one yes we do (laughs) good lord um right (laughs) anyway so uh the instrumental bit uh that's the sax and penny whistle yes um which and is what, is what a sound yeah not uh, unusual sound uh like we mm-hmm. said and it, it's just so like i mean the like low um kind of richness of yep. your of your saxophone and then just that like really high-pitched penny whistle strange combination that i wouldn't necessarily think to put together but i together, guess it makes yeah. sense in terms of like they're not stepping on each other's toes acoustically yeah uh, but and it's like this is the alien man. He's he's combined a a, a penny whistle and a baritone sax because yeah. why wouldn't he? He taped them together with technology. Exactly. Um, and from that we I come into so. the the string chorus. So Mick Ronson arranged yes. strings on this piece because he can do that. And honestly, pretty well, right? Like, oh yeah. I'm like oh, he's just a guitar player. I don't know. He sometimes just arranges strings for fun. 
Yeah, the dude is so insane. Doesn't he quit and like become an engineer or something? He like goes and finishes his university degree instead of being one of the I greatest rock know. musicians of all time. Right? <laughs> it's I know he did me. another album before he died in the 90s. Oh. Uh, but I've never listened to it. Damn. He's he's unreal and again watching that live performance. Oh, good lord. Yeah, they were they were a good duo, eh? They were a good duo and yeah. Nothing but good things to say about Mick Ronson. We're gonna get into an even bigger contributions over here pretty quick. This verse is this chorus rather is very cool because Bowie cuts a little looser on the vocals. Yeah, and and there's some echo. Yes, or like we're starting to get the echo in. This couldn't be more later. Yeah, we're starting that's right. to get the echo. Yeah, things um, are getting spacier. Yeah, it feels okay. Like the string part. I don't know. It feels mm-hmm. like we. It's, it feels earned. Which doesn't really make sense, but like, like we needed to have strings, like it, like they. I don't know, man. It's like the increasing of the message, the like him telling you again. The chorus is his plea, and it's becoming wider yeah, and more so. triumphant, and more powerful. It's just like it's uplifting. It's huge. This is the belief in the Moon Age daydream, man. It's like you got to feel it, and that's how you feel it is with big strings. I say big strings. They're not like. Orchestral they're massive. They're, they're not massive. They're actually just, they're like, just the right amount. It's a good slice of string on there. Yeah. And th- I mean, compared to the last chorus, there's still an electric guitar, but it's quite quite in the background. Yeah. Because it's more focused on strings now. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, you get the echoed verse, at the like the the sung in canon basically. Where the like the second chorus here. Yeah. The second chorus in this third chorus block. That's right. Because <laughs> they do the chorus again. Yes. Again. And now you really get the echoes. Mm-hmm. It's like it's slow enough that you actually like hear it. Yeah. And like you said, it sounds like a cannon. Mad love, mad love, mad love. It's, uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then we get a guitar solo the that guitar solo. was improvised. Like I mentioned this in the intro, but improvised using a, basically a crude drawing. Apparently, Bowie picked up this technique from Frank Zappa. And the technique is to draw the shape of a solo, how you want yeah. it to sound. Which is something I've heard of, like describing a solo in terms of an interest curve. Mm. Um, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, intensity curve. Right. Um... It, it, it's something I heard of more, it's more common nowadays. I don't know how common it was then, but it's an interesting idea. And it's also interesting that, like, I'm trying to think, like, what did he draw that turned into the solo? Oh, like, there's a quote. You... There's a quote of exactly what he drew. Uh, um, all right. Let me see if I have it here for you. Because let's see, Bo got the lyrics, the song's introductory guitar riff. Um, he draw. it starts with just a straight line. Um, and what he does from there, fuck, where did I find this quote? Uh. Okay, here he is. This one began as a flat line, okay. then became a fat megaphone-type shape, and evolved as sprays of disassociated and broken lines. Which describes the end of the solo. Yeah, but in yeah, an interesting that, way. perfectly. And sort of that build into a fat, like if you consider like a straight line, just kind of widening out into a megaphone shape, which is basically just like a... It's similar to a Wi-Fi symbol, right? It's just bigger, bigger yeah. waves. <laughs> Wi-Fi symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the fr- I, I just like looked. I was like, "What is that like?" And I just saw the Wi-Fi symbol. I was like, "Yeah, it's like that." <laughs> <laughs> um, you can hear. Sorry. You can kind of hear that in this solo if you take that in mind. But the fact that Ronson was able to look at that and go like, "Yeah, okay, like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that." Uh, yeah. 
insane. And, uh, and, this and then a, turn it into this solo. I mean, the solo probably would have been awesome regardless, but probably, but like cool way to think about it. Like, just like go crazy at the end. Yes. Basically. Yeah. It's basically like start out with a guitar solo, make it bigger and then break it apart. Yeah. It's cool. And as we struggle with talking about guitar solos on the show, naturally, but this is a great solo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the interest curve is not a bad way of describing it, or intensity mm-hmm. curve, whatever. I think um, you're right. The piano, I just yes. want to break, mention the piano, because I forgot to mention it the last time this happened. Yes. Um, because dun, dun, the piano's dun, dun, dun. the same as it was on the middle eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's not much to say about it other than that, but I, I find I often focus on that piano, even though it's just kind of the same thing. It holds you down. It's the anchor yeah. that keeps us on Earth. Like, yeah, I guess if the solo is, like, like was described in Crayon, like mm-hmm. just breaking up at the end and going wild, that's what keeps you grounded. Yeah. And you'd literally get these, like, I think it might even be that string arrangement or something that's going wild, because they're still present in here. But towards the end, around, like, 420, in your right side speaker, you'll get this weird breaking up. This, like, Yeah, that sounds like strings. Yeah. So to support that guitar solo with the, it's like, I mean, we talked about on Kansas, Carry On Wayward Son, how it's hard to, like, talk about that song because everything feels like it's there at the right spot and the right time for the exact. Yeah. It just, it feels like it was, you know, almost made from whole cloth, like it's flawless. And I think that can be said certainly of this guitar solo section, if nothing else, of Moon Age Daydream. But it wasn't. We, As we know, it was put through a lot of work to get there. So, hell yeah. yeah. But that's the song. That's what it's something They fade out on that cool song great song um there's no music videos for anything for this is there alex no i don't think okay. so is there I for don't... any of the songs i forgot to look i looked i don't i didn't see any okay perfect we're gonna get in these covers there were some we live had... versions i think but that was it yeah that's it okay we we are a little we're, we're running a little long already not surprising us talking about david bowie for long periods of time <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> But now we got to talk for a short period of time, or at least a shorter period of time, about our covers, starting with Racer X in 1987. Racer X. Racer All right. X. Yeah, Racer X. Uh, described as a heavy metal band, this is more like. To me, like the hair metal vein. Absolutely. fucking loot. Right? And, um, <laughs> hair Everything, metal. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Kind of like a direct, in, to my mind, um, direct lineage from glam rock. Yeah, for right? sure. Because, I mean, often sometimes called glam metal as well, which is mm-hmm. either the same thing or related. Yeah, it's maybe the less, uh, dero- I think hair metal is derogatory. Right. To an extent, I think, I don't think you could upset people with it now but i think at the time it was no like, oh, it's, it's yeah and even like oh did i make molly crew a little upset like uh yeah probably, we'll be fine know, like <laughs> they they don't know who i am yeah exactly uh but yeah for sure hair, hair metal or glam metal it was shocking to me at first to see how many hard rock acts do this song 
Yeah, it's definitely one of the like more hard feeling songs, right? Because mm-hmm. like you can cover, I mean, you can cover this with just an acoustic guitar, but like Starman or something like that. Yeah, of course you can just cover it like one person with acoustic guitar or like if you have a softer sound. Um, but like, yeah, this is the one. I mean, especially that intro, right? Yeah. The opening just, guitar line. You're like, yeah, to metal. Yeah, this is this is hard rock. But they don't do that exactly. They. No. They just fucking more like shred. A, yeah, shredding. Like like Van Halen style. Just shredding. And the guy in this band, I believe, is it Racer X? I'm pretty sure. Racer X. Um Sounds like Speed Racer's nemesis. Yeah, Paul Gilbert. Yes. The guitar player is considered like one of the all-time great guitar shredders. I would believe that. I think and it's some pretty good there. shredding on this. I mean, I was looking at like what they've done as a band, and it's like they were kind of a band for a while. They were never huge, but they were reasonable. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, also they have like this really fast guitar player. Like that's their thing. That that's like their um, trivia fact, kind of. Yeah, that checks out to me. That being their 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 life is like pretty good at shredding. This one guy. Otherwise, yeah. they were like just another band who like. Who was in the scene, right? Yeah, <laughs> big enough to make albums, not big yeah. enough to really not be like Molly Crew or yeah, Def Leppard or whatever. But yeah, we get fucking shredding and a lot of like in the verses we get chugging. Yes, and that's like that's kind of the sound of it, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's like in the verse they get that chugging. The core, the chorus, the chords are spread out a bit more but there's still like some chugging um and then like there's some symbol in there that's like cowbell adjacent and yeah like, we get some cowbell yeah, adjacent action it's just like a really really like guitar focused version with that wide metal sound yeah uh, like it could be one guitar it could be a bunch of guitars i can't tell yeah i don't because know because of how it sounds um and of course, it also has a guitar solo, which is, you know, higher energy overall, the song is. So the guitar solo is just more of that. And they've got this shredder guy. This, uh, yes, I said the shredder. Name, I? Paul, Paul Gilbert. Gilbert. Um, so like he's doing, he's doing the, he's doing the shredding. He's doing the solo. Um, yeah. And vocally, yeah, kind of sounds like like he's doing. He's like kind of wailing. Yeah, like this just kind of sounds to me like it could be any hair metal band. That's all. Truthfully, it it, Which it is, sounds like that. I guess not that. I I don't I don't know if I like hair metal much. I, I think about this. I have something in my brain that says yes to hair metal, even though on a logical level I know it's dumb as shit. Like I think it's more like I just don't really like Molly Crew. That's fair. I keep bringing them up. I don't know why. Because <laughs> that's your connection to hair metal. Because we, yeah, I guess so. Like we and saw Molly Crew, and it was kind of disappointing. It was so that's probably awful part of show. It. Um, <laughs> but I know I feel you on yeah. that. But I like the shredding. Um, it's of course a very simplistic version. Uh, I think he says "rock and roll and bitch" to you rather than for you. It's gonna be a bitch right at me. He's gonna be a bitch at you, dude. Ah. Which I, I like. I wonder if they're just like, well, we can't be anybody's bitch, but we can be mean to them. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you know, I definitely I would associate like hair metal stuff can be weird because like they still can like dress in an effeminate way but then they like want to act really tough a lot of yeah, the time and like try to like, force the masculinity in their actions or you know um so yeah i don't really 
know exactly what to make of that but uh, yeah it's so it's an it's an odd piece it, it makes sense for 1987 because that's like hair metal's heyday um it's pretty solidly built but it is i think a little over simplistic and i think in terms for me like da- the moon age daydream original is so psychedelic that taking it into just like heavy metal like very straightforward hair metal is a real reduction in value <laughs> Yeah, I guess maybe I just get so so much out of the original. It's like, oh, now this is all it is. Yeah, it's like if this is the version I heard, I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. It's like, all right, this guy's guy's plays rock and roll. Yeah, Good but for him. yeah, it's it's solid, realistic. Solid. It's truly yeah. It's it's like there's nothing like awful about it. I no. I enjoyed some parts of it. And when he right. goes hard on those vocals, does some yeah. whoa woes and stuff. I'm there. If you, if you like yeah. some guitar shredding, they got some of that too. We got some of that too. Is it a great so, version of Moon Age cool. Daydream? Not really. Is it a yeah? pretty solid hair metal song sure yeah yeah i mean it's got david bowie lyrics so yeah it can't be that bad um let's move on to dave cloud and the gospel of power in 1999 yeah which as far as i can tell like the gospel of power is just dave is his band. band yeah yeah or was his uh, band he's deceased um so they do garage rock kind of stuff um this one starts out kind of yeah. cool and then just keeps just doing that and gets boring. As earthy performances and this is really like garage rocky but i guess it's kind of like really got that like lo-fi low production value sound for sure yeah but yes um it it doesn't uh develop very much freak um, out freak out freak out yeah it basically it sounds kind of like he was just like, let's do the outro part mm-hmm. just forever. And, or yeah. he was like, let's record the song and then forgot all the lyrics except for the outro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? It's about freaking like, out, fr- right? Freak out, far out. Far um, out. So it's kind of that, um, but yeah, it doesn't really have like a garage rocky sound to me. No, it's sort of like atmospheric lo-fi where he's like, yeah. So it's him saying "freak out" a bunch of different ways. He's got kind of different voices he puts on, and it like echoes and goes in different parts yep, of your it's ear. Quite a bit of echo. And then it's like a very simple acoustic rhythm underneath it. Yeah, on this really like kind of dull sounding acoustic guitar. Yeah. And his voice is kind of like really low down. Freak out, freak out. Maybe even slowed down a bit. Far out, far out. He sometimes reminds me of Jermaine of Flight of the Concords. <laughs> have you seen pictures of him? No, I have not. Does he look he like him too? Looks like it too. I would lose my mind if it turned well, out. Well, uh, not Jemaine really. Clinton. Only because of his button chops. Okay. In that... this one picture. But he's like blonde now, and he's, he's oh, got okay. like you know thick glasses. So the cl- hey. Oh, yeah, with the mutton chops and stuff, he could yeah. be. Anyway, that's amusing. It is amusing um, to me, but... Uh, seems, seems, seems like an amusing guy, but it's, yeah, it's very much like... Um, it's... it's uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I'm having trouble with uh, adjectives and nouns today. He's not, like, wild words. enough to be shushu, and he's not, like, <laughs> cool lo-fi enough to right. be... Uh, maybe in 1999? Yeah, maybe. But, but like, yeah, he's definitely it's definitely like being weird and like inaccessible in in some ways. Yeah. Um but uh it's all right. 
It's all. It just needs it, and so it's four and a half minutes. He needs another True. trick because I actually do like another the weird thing. space he builds at the start. Freak out! Freak out! Far out! And the dun, 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 yeah, the and weird... it's kind of interesting because we talked about how important like the outro is, but to, like that's all that's here. Uh, yeah, to front load that is like, whoa, that's crazy. Where are we gonna go from here? Yeah, the that's answer, a cool idea. Nowhere. We go nowhere. Um, and he yeah, does the also, chorus sometimes. That's true. And there is like a buzzing or an electric guitar too that comes yeah, in. Yeah, I think so. I was kind of trying to recreate that, and I think it's like a fuzzy guitar, just with like a filter. And if you kind of set the filter, um, if maybe add some resonance to the filter, and then set the cutoff to be like right around where you're playing, then you mm-hmm. kind of boost higher frequencies in your in your notes okay um, yeah, and yeah. also they're kind of rounded because of the cutoff right so i did okay. something similar with my old trusty sub 37 which i like to feed my guitar through love that sounds, sub 37 sounds good that's tight uh, through that through that moog filter fuck yeah dude yeah we can do something similar with that you know Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, otherwise it's this, the same thing. There's like some spacey noises at the end and we kind of just exit out. Yeah, so I, I guess it's probably more focused on atmosphere than anything. Yeah. He does have cloud in his name. Dave Cloud. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. That's it. Yeah, so let's, let's skip along into the, the 21st century with professional murder music in 2005. murder music. I'm an alligator. Yeah, back in metal, but this is like industrial and or gothic metal. Yes, brother. Um, and that's and what's interesting about these guys. Their music uh, featured in the hit Dreamcast video game, Jet Set Radio. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Had to have been just like a song, right? Yeah, it must have just, obviously it wasn't like the whole yeah, track. they didn't compose it. That would be so insane if Jet Set Radio, which has this such like bubblegum space theme, is all yeah. industrial metal. <laughs> now, these guys do something. I believe it's these guys who do something quite interesting. Uh, well, first, they do something fun right off the bat. They say, I'm a motherfucker. They say, motherfucker. And it rocks. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Uh. Was it these guys or was it a later act who did uh, something from the live performance? Oh yeah 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 yeah. So they do they do actually reference the the final Ziggy Stardust show. Oh, when do they version. do that? Um, it's in. I believe. Let me check. It's in the choruses. I believe. Hang on. Hang on. No, hang on. I'm hanging. Hang on. Oh yeah. So if you go to like one forty four. Um, that section is uh, directly ripped from the live performance of Moon Age Daydream, where it, but it's Bowie's vocals doing that. It goes, oh, 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 oh. the guitar part. Yes, yeah, so that guitar is going. Oh, yeah, I mean, did not pick up on that. That's for sure. Uh, I, it's just kind I of instrumental section there. That that's was a, a good, lucky that's catch. A good pull, yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. 
So clearly they have some uh, some history knowledge. So yeah, clearly fans. Um, but let's let's pull ourselves back to the start here. Let's I jumped ahead. Yeah, a bit. what else is going on? Um, okay, so I mean, we just, I said they were metal, industrial metal, and they definitely have that like really, really. They got some fat chords, man. Massive fat chords. Sustain. Yeah. Um, the chords only end when they end the chords. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, they have to oh, meet yeah. them, which only happens at the beginning. <laughs> That's right, yeah. They really let things ring out, and yeah. it has such a feel. It's all, like, crunchy, and we've got these... Even the vocals are crunchy. They're, like, half-whispered, half, like, hissed. Yeah. I also feel like this is music that I could headbang to, because it's not too fast. Oh, yeah, and it's I got a good, like, easily. power headbang to it. Um, yeah, so you can really get your body into it. Um, so that's cool. You know, it's one you can join in with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then as it moves through, it kind of like, like there's a lower guitar harmony and a higher guitar uh, part. And then as it moves through into the chorus, the kind of like the guitar like widens, if that means anything. And then it really becomes really difficult to distinguish between them. Right. Um, and what I was actually interested in a bit like there's more movement on the guitar while the singing is happening um so it really feels like this version's less concerned with you actually like hearing what's being said yeah um which is is kind of checks out in terms of what i like my experience with industrial type sounds because it it can be very cacophonous Mm mm-hmm it seems it to be, be a part a, of industry is cacophony. Yeah, is that is it supposed to be like oh if we're playing in a warehouse because like the echo's terrible like everything just sounds kind of bad but not like not bad but like like the there's like all these high harmonics that are just bouncing around everywhere and echoing. Right. Yeah. Just kind of the sound that gets created. Is that why it's called industrial? I don't know. I'm not sure how much of industrial, yeah, is literally related to the concept of playing music in an industrial district or building or how much is connected to the idea. Because that's what I always think of, but I kind of think of like the midpoint between the two where it's like the crushingness of industry and also here's things that are literally present in industrial facilities. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess, yeah, I know. That, and... That's my take on it. Um, I accept it. But yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> those vocals it. do, like, especially at the start of the second verse, it goes back to that more whispered take. They kind of changed a little more sung about midway through each verse or after the first, like, two lines. But yeah, it's like lines you're not really meant to hear so much as feel. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I was listening to that part again the guitar solo part yeah. that you were talking about for some reason before i thought they were strumming really fast it feels like it are they not but i'm not sure if they're strumming that or if they're just doing like sustaining it um because i was thinking i thought they were strumming fast and then i was thinking oh that's very similar to dave cloud the way he you know where the way they play that fuzzy guitar like the electric guitar in that version which i don't think like I don't think there's a link because like we the date on the yeah. Dave Cloud one is ninety nine, but I don't mm. know if it was released until at, like oh six right until later. Okay, um, for some reason I I think I saw that somewhere. Like the album shows as an 06 release. 06 album, yeah, weird. that is a bit weird. It gets um, weird with stuff like that. But also, uh, it doesn't sound live. Oh well, I don't know. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, this one's also a big. This two thousand six one feels like maybe a compilation album. It's got two discs. Oh, yeah. Could be. Especially Could be. if it was, like, singles or something. Yeah, or, like, posthumous or something. just a bunch of recordings but... he did. 
Yeah. Um. Anyway. But you're right. Yeah. That guitar solo initially sounds like it's shredded. Like it's like it's. But I I think it's just sustains. Yeah, it might just be kind of wavery. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. They also like their solos really early on. <laughs> yes, it is. Um. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's industrial. It's yeah. industrial sound. It's it's got those really big long sustains sounds that I mean, I don't really have anything specific against it, but my ears generally don't like listening to this kind of music for long periods of time. So like, that's too much. Mm, you got to chill. Fair. You got to take these headphones off for a minute. I guess. Hey, there's something in the idea of keeping your electric eye on you. That's sort of 1984, a little bit industrial, like yeah. dystopia. Yeah. So it is, it's, yeah, it, to me, it feels like mostly a palette swap. It's like, everything's crunchy now. Here's a reference to a live performance, and that's cool. That kind of lets you know that they're they're into Bowie more than just being like, oh, yeah, Moon Age Daydream's a popular song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always like that, and that wins points with me in just about any cover. But it's it just does feel like a solid palette swap, where it's like, well, if you like industrial, you're going to get something out of this. If you don't, you're going to get a lot less out of this. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk less about industrial and talk more about what I, I think is punk rock. Johnny Manic and the Depressives in 2007. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa calling for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and roll bitch for you. Keep your passion. You're squawking like a big monkey bird. Yeah. 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 Johnny Manic yeah. and the Depressives. Yeah, that, I mean, I looked them up, and they call themselves rock and roll with influence from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which I think mostly just means it's punk rock. Yeah. Or it could mean that. Punk rock um, with, like, some surf rock vibe sometimes thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this one also kind of, I don't know, it faked out for me. Not really. But, like, the very start sounded, like, very straightforward and then it's like ah but we're i guess before the drums come in like yeah and, and then it's just like really fast yeah it's and pretty like punk rock. standard punk where it's just like play it fast and yeah fast strumming play, play it with distortion um they also do they do that thing where they strum the same chord a lot but like then they'll strum more of it like more notes in the chord right like as the accent that kind of stuff yeah 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 this one actually has the sax piccolo part. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just on the guitar. Yeah, on the guitar. Or the last one actually had it, too, on a guitar as well. Oh, that's true. Um, and so this a moment. I shouldn't point out moments yet. Um, yeah, it's, it's just really fast kind of punk one. I, I didn't, I could, like, that's how, like, I've just described it. Yeah, you really have, like, there's some, some drum rolls and things. It's... It's all done in the in the in the name of punk rock. Yeah, it's just like a fast, high energy version. Yeah. Um, point out some moments for me, Alex. Highlight yeah. for me. Well, there's a bit. It's like just before the one minute mark when he says, "Make me know you really care." His mm-hmm. voice. Ah, oh, that kind of reminded me of. I mean, a little bit of Sweet Jane. Hey. <laughs> Make me know you really, really care. care. Oh yeah. Um, so that's fun. Really, care. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, and there's a nice string slide. In oh a later yeah, freak out in your <laughs> Um, 
I got yeah, there's that. some fun little bits here and there yeah. to to break up the monotony. Because it can be, yeah, if it's just strumming, you know, yeah, 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 it can be a little monotonous, like you said. But you know, they're having fun with it. They're having fun with. They have a kind of like a sting outro where it's like dun 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 dun. Yeah, they like do a dun, guitar dun, solo right dun, at dun, the dun, end. Yeah, and then kind of an outro, and then just like have a final chord. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's kind of just like a solid punk rock version. It's not not bad. It's not bad. It's simple, but not too simple. We talk about some where it's just like nothing but like a driving rhythm. You're like, okay, well, we can just wrap this up. Yeah. I think we will wrap up talking about these guys, so we can talk about the group who couldn't decide on a version of Moon Age Daydream, so they <laughs> put two in there. It's they Electric Standard. Electric Standard. I'm an alligator. Well, I'm, 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 I'm coming for you. Well, I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah, another, I mean, similar to Johnny Manic and the Depressives, I mostly just saw a Facebook page for these guys. Yeah, the rock um, band from Boston. Yeah, blues, uh, rock, blues, and soul is what they say they cover. With the sound, spirit, and enthusiasm of the earliest rock and roll combos. Yeah, which is an interesting thing. I mean, compared to all the other versions, David Cloud notwithstanding, um, mm. it's much more laid back. Yes. At least in their first half. Yeah, their first half is, like, just kind of weirdo jam band territory. Yeah. I guess... I don't know. It just... It sounds... Like, I I said Razor X could be any hair metal band, but, like, that's Mm -hmm. totally not fair. This one sounds like it could be any random band you saw at your local bar kind of thing. At your local bar, yeah. His vocals have a very, like, I'm just some dude vibe to them. Yeah. And, like, they throw some organ in. Which, like, honestly, sometimes it's hard to know what to play if you got an organ, if there's no dedicated organ part. That's, that's true, yeah. They're just playing chords. Yeah, I get they play it. some chords, I can coming on the that. chorus, they kind of fill it out. Um, the, okay, I wasn't sure how you'd feel about this, but I'm in mm-hmm. favor of it. Uh, <laughs> the kazoo part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, fine. <laughs> yeah, so they do a kazoo instead of the, like, sax... Penny whistle. Yeah. Which, I mean, that it, I think it would be a good move. I think it's a good move, but it kind of needs a little more to support it, like, in the rest of the song. You know? Yeah, because we go from this, like, kind of laid-back jam. It's, like, a little bit of guitar stings, a kind of nice bass groove going, and, like, a pretty mellow vocal performance. Like, don't yeah. fake it, baby. It feels very, like, clean and decent. Yes. Um. Which I don't necessarily think fits. It fits, yeah. Especially when you, then the carnival comes in for the bridge or the middle eight and does its fucking <laughs> yeah. kazoo performance. Yeah, then the kazoo. Um, and, uh, and like yeah. gentle female backing vocals as well. Doing this. <laughs> they're going for almost almost like a kind of blues gospel vibe that they don't quite Which touch. Guess, they're kind of yeah, they lost. Yeah, they go for the blues soul thing. But it does, it does feel kind of too broad maybe yeah like they didn't want to commit to anything and so we get space but not in a cool moon age daydream way and just a kind of like there should be something else here kind of way yeah and then it ends yes but there's two minutes left there's two minutes left and you go well, what the fuck 
what's going on um yeah and they do like a like rockabilly version yes um, which to me had more life to it like had a more like yeah it's faster it like, this clapping kind of a fun mm-hmm. style change um and there's some scatting at the end too yeah, we should talk about that fake out because it is probably the most yeah, okay, committed like, fake out we've heard. Like they get real spacey. There's these like boo 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 boo, do 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 do. It's like it's just and and it ends like it ends. Yeah, we get like a couple drum hits and it's like okay, that's the end of a song. And then they sit in that for like ten seconds. Like and let then, the cymbals ring out. Okay, it's like two yeah, seconds, but it feels like fire that. into the first verse again. Yeah. And then he's kind of shouting now. Yeah, he he tries to do some different. Which, like, once again, I mean, they they still kind of sound like a band you just see at a local bar. Yeah, they don't seem to surpass or transform bar rock in any way here. But you know, it's a different a different thing. Yeah, and like, yeah, the the bass is doing more of this like kind of walking groove you'd hear on a rockabilly track. And then he does he say I'm a rockin' I'll be a rock and rollin' beast for you or peace for you, or is he just saying bitch really weird on that last one? Almost spice and later. Almost spice and later. I don't know. I'm gonna check his bitch line. Oh. <laughs> he sounds like he says beast. Yeah. Yeah. Beast. He says it right the first time, so he has he has no qualms with saying bitch. Yeah, so it's not like they're censoring. See, I, I maybe, don't know what he was doing there. Maybe sometimes you just like you're just into it and I, I guess you sometimes you're up. just yeah, you're speaking in tongues. You try too hard. Yeah. And then you just trip over it. And then you decide not to do another take. Yeah. And they get some like hand claps on in this and we end on some fucking scat. Yeah. That's the same same woman, I believe. Yeah. Bow, bow. So we get two kind of weird half-baked versions from Electric Standard with a break. Yeah, it does kind of feel like maybe if they had put more into just doing one. Yeah. That it would have worked out better. It would have worked but. out a little better. But I get it. You're a weird jam band from Boston. You're doing your yeah. thing. I'm um, sure it's fun to see live. Yeah. We've got to talk about weird bands from California now called Eagles of Death Metal. <laughs> I'm an alligator I'm a mama papa coming for you I'm a space invader Weird bands from California. Yeah, I um I know I've heard the name before. Yeah, this is twenty nineteen, by the way. Um it's it's two guys mostly. One of them is from Queens of the Stone Age, or yeah, that's rather also in Queens of the Stone Age. Josh Hom. Uh, but he doesn't actually play with them very often because he's too busy in Kotza. Yeah, so he uh, he does like the albums and then doesn't tour with them because he's yeah in Queens of the Stone Age Kotza as we all call him out. Kotza, Kotza definitely doesn't need to be explained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I- um, this one could be cool. I think if it had context around it. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, every once in a while, we'll get something like this where it's, like, yeah. super lo-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, I think it sounds kind of cool. It does sound kind of cool, I would, but it's just, like, out of... It's, it's, it's basically guitar and vocals put through, like, a vinyl pop and crackle filter. 
Yeah. I mean, it really does kind of sound like they... It's 2019, so I don't know what the chances are of them actually doing this, but it sounds like they, like, put it on tape, like, beat up the tape a bit, and then, like, (laughs) either played it back or, like, put that onto a record. Yeah. And then played that back on, like, shitty gramophone. Because, like, the beginning does sound like, oh, we're, like, adjusting the speed. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds like it's on an old, like, 10-inch... 78 rpm record right on a gramophone like and it's just it's just like really low quality sounding um and like super like um narrow frequency band is that how that works yeah what's the word i'm trying to say probably that anyway but yeah you're you're right it's got like some some so yeah it's, it's based in like a vine so i just like if it was put in the context of maybe the album or something you chuck this like after rock and roll suicide and it's like well after the ziggy stardust revolution maybe the apocalypse still happens or like whatever and then there's kind of like a fallout scene where there's an old radio or vinyl playing this track yeah it's like a little callback in that sense it's like kind of cool i can see it the tubes start to glow tubes start to glow Um, but yeah otherwise it's just like a kind of a novelty piece yeah it did feels very novel I, i thought it was i thought it was cool though it's 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 fine. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, uh, and I guess I was like, okay, Eagles of Death Metal, we're gonna get something strange here, and it was just like a little too straightforward for what I was expecting, maybe. So maybe I built it up Fair for enough. myself. Fair enough. I also do. I've said this a couple times in real life. I don't know if I've said it on here, but like, I do believe that a lot of the best songs still do well when performed just with a just with a, a guitar and, and yeah. Vocal. Um, and I, mean, I think yeah, that, that really that. comes across in this version. Yeah, that just boom, boom, boom. And the like, call and response of that simple guitar riff and then vocals is pretty fucking good. Like, yeah, and like he's doing, he's singing. He's really singing. Like he's kind of blowing out the Yeah, he's blowing the out the, the recording. Um, or however you say that uh, with his vocals. But he's definitely like going for it. Fuck yeah. So clearly yeah i, I kind of thought of it it's like a palatable version of whatever dave cloud was doing which isn't really true because dave cloud was just doing like the spacey thing but right. in the sense of that it sounds lo-fi that's the only i, I, I wrote that and it's like not really true well yeah and so i, I guess said it out loud death metal real. do the whole song if you i think if you combine the two you get something that really has some weight to it that would that would be cool a little spacier and also a little more approachable approachable yeah you'd come up with something neat but hey that's this one and that does it for our covers which means it's time for our final verdicts yeah we got three categories today the worst version the best version and a bowie me classic uh which one would aliens like the most i'm so certain i've done it like send it to the aliens like (laughs) (laughs) probably probably but it seems appropriate for this uh alex what's the worst version of this what's the worst version i there was a few i didn't like love but i, I think mm. electric standard kind of takes it in the end i think yeah um, electric standard. it's just kind of yeah a nothing version two bad versions <laughs> yeah <laughs> even the other bad versions were just one bad version yeah. and like at least dave cloud like was kind of trying something interesting and different that could have yeah. gone well um with all the like loose timing and and spacey feeling yeah, truly, when Dave Cloud started, I was like, oh, I'm going to like this version, I think. Yeah, and see where we go with it. And see where we go really with go it. Anywhere. We don't go anywhere, so it's it's no good. But, um, yeah, and like I already said, I don't love the hair metal thing, but yeah, sorry, Electric Standard just didn't, yeah, I think, just didn't do it. I think you're right, and I, yeah, I was uncertain at first, but yeah, talking about them, 
yeah, I don't think they're very good. Alex, a little tougher though. Who's the best version of this? Who is the best version? Who That's... the best? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't really, really love any of the covers today. I agree with that. Um. So it's got to go to the Arnold Corns, baby. It's got to go to the Arnold Corns. No, I mean, I didn't even like the Arnold Corns version that much. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I'm impressed by how much they'd improved in like a year or two. Yeah, with the same, with the same people. Like, the same it wasn't people. like it was a personnel problem. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a favorite version? Well, I'm going to kind of do a breakdown here because I'm not too certain here. But if we go okay. worst version electric standard, probably next worst is like Dave Cloud. Um, from there, you have Racer X and Professional Murder Music kind of tied as like genre versions. Right. They're both kind they do of similar, similar things. things in their wheelhouse. Like, boom, right. this is industrial metal. Boom, this is hair metal. And it, it functions. So those are two I functional. I would kind ones. of put Johnny Manic and the Depressives in that category I as well. I think that's also fair. So you get those, and then you get the novelty act of Eagles of Death Metal. Eagles of Death Metal. So how do I, do I rank novelty act above solid genre cover, or do I highlight a solid genre cover is the question i think i am going to elevate the novelty i think eagles of death metal is it for me fair enough you know what that's good that's solid and maybe the right choice i'm gonna give it to (laughs) professional murder music just for the reference to the live solid version as well i think that for me as a listener, enhances my connection to the musician. Where yeah. I go, hey, you know a little bit, like I know a little bit. Feels a little more personal. Feels a little more personal now. We're the same guy, I feel. So that's <laughs> going to be my version. Alex, you're in charge of the shooting music out into space station. It's, the, you know, that famous station we all know about and have. Ah, yes. Uh, the station. And, of course, they said we got to launch Moon Age Daydream out there. We, we imagine Obviously. spacefarers love music about space. So we're going to shoot Moon Age Daydream out into there. But they dropped the Bowie vinyl. It, it shattered. They can't get another in time. But you can get one of these covers. So which one's it going to be? Okay. All right. So hear me out. I'm hearing you out. Hear me out. I'm hearing you out. I think we got to get, we're getting this information to the aliens. They don't have mm. any context because they don't know anything about our music. Right. And I think it's not necessarily a great, Like by our by our standards, not necessarily a very a great version, right? But I think if we shoot the electric standard one out, it it covers more ground, right? Get more it information, is full of aliens, information, you know. And then even like I'm like, oh, this is too much like this other thing to be interesting, but they don't know about that other thing. That's right, right? So like they have to hear that, and they're like, oh, these are you know solid things. Like this, this music, like it, it comes from a place of solid music. It's yeah. just to me, it feels a little generic. But to them, they're like, "What's this? What's this c- cooking rhythm?" Uh, right. Let's check out Earth to see if they have more. And then they're like, "Damn! Not only do they yeah. have more, it's way better." You, so you're giving them like a dog's breakfast, so that and then enticing them with it, so they come exactly. in here, and then you're I'm like giving well, them a little something. They're like, "Okay, all right, you hooked me," and then. And then we reel them in. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you guys like that thing? Here, check this out. Yeah. You don't know the half of it. You don't know the fucking half of it, brother. That's yeah. a, that's so a that's, solid that's what I'm sending. Alex. That's what I'm sending into space. That's a good choice. Uh, me, personally, I'm thinking, you, you remember the hit film Back to the Future? 
where yeah. uh, Marty McFly, of course, commits like mental warfare on his father in the past by using heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he does do that. <laughs> Pretending to be an alien. T- pretending to be an alien. So I think maybe, and maybe if they've like caught waves of Back to the Future, I'll send them Racer X. And it's possible that they also maybe just like those noises. Maybe that's how they communicate <laughs> in a sort of guitar-like screeching fashion. So I'm going to so risk they'll think, it. They'll think you're saying something nice. I think I'm saying something. I'll be like, here, check this out. And they're going to go, whoa, these guys oh. speak our language. Let's go down there. He likes my shoes. <laughs> he, can you imagine? Problem? It's just like some very basic things. They're like, Really weird. I don't know when they would have seen my shoes, but <laughs> awesome. Let's go. Let's go hang out on Earth. So that's my pick. Um, and that does it for our final verdicts. You guys got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are many. Hit us up on Twitter. We're still there. Hashtag CoverMePod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes, suggestions for a new social media platform to be on, and maybe we'll all actually like put some effort into. To breathing some life into that because I'm sure if you've looked us up on Twitter you've probably gone these guys aren't actually there I don't know why they keep promoting it we're there I'm there Alex is there really. in spirit but yeah if you guys if you know where the hot new social media trend is let us know um be sure to rate and review us as well you can do that on Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts your favorite podcasting app as of this moment we're still at a 3.9 on Spotify would love to just bump us over into the four star range if you guys could do that for us if you guys could get your grandmas to do that for us it's the giving season give us <laughs> a five star and then you can we tell us whatever nasty things you want via episodes. email and we'll give you more episodes you can email us at coveringpod at gmail.com and call us all sorts of dirty nasty words but hey that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, don't fake it, baby. Play the real Cover Me.